Good afternoon, this is Gary Kavanagh here on TRSI. Today is Sunday the 18th of uh, July. Michael, how have you been since we spoke on Friday? Hot. Slowly melting into a puddle of some kind? Hot. I suppose no explanation is needed. Big shiny disc in sky, very worrying. No, it's been very lovely, actually. I, I appreciate it tonight. Whoever's responsible, I just want to thank. Oh, you've been enjoying this. A good. Oh, yeah, I like this. Beautiful blue skies... Sun shining. I'm not too hot. I mean, 27, 28 degrees. I really only start to object when it gets over 34, 35. So I'm, I think it's fantastic. I think the hottest temperature ever recorded in Ireland was about 33 degrees. It was. I remember it well. I think it was also in like 1890. I don't know. I pride myself on, on ignoring Irish weather as much as possible. But unfortunately now it has simply become so hot it has started to intrude into my life. I spent years, Michael, trying to avoid direct sunlight, which is actually quite easy in Ireland because there's so little of it. But now it's just everywhere. I'm a prisoner in my own home. We, I suppose part of it is we don't have, none of us, we're virtually none of us, have air conditioning anywhere like whether it's either in our homes or in our in our offices or in our social spaces not that we would be an audience but in a social space that was so enclosed that it required air conditioning but you know i just oh it's fantastic it's also very good for you gary a little bit of this now i know the first thing that happens when we get more than two hours of sunshine in a day is you get the plethora of reporting about skin cancer it is both annoying and depressing to the extent of which anything which is nice and fun, you can't do it, but somebody will have to come up to you with at least five articles on why whatever it is you're doing or is being done to you is going to kill you. Yeah, I, I noticed there Tony Houlihan came out and issued a warning against barbecuing. Don't. Don't barbecue. Regardless of how good the weather is, no barbecuing. And as he said that, I realised that Despite the fact I have reported on the, the COVID thing for well over a year now, for the first time I think since it started, I have absolutely no idea what the actual restrictions on meeting people are. No, I, 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 I was at a, an outdoor event myself last night. And it was, it, it's funny when you said that, I thought, yeah, I, what, you know, how many people from different families or different pods can meet in one place for how long? I have no clue. Maybe there are no rules anymore, but I think there must be. I can't think they've let us off completely ruleless and rudderless, because, you know, that would lead to just madness and anarchy, and probably the death of everybody in the country. But it would be fun. So anyway, there, there have been some polls released that we want to go through. There was one story I wanted to mention just briefly before we uh, got into those, and it's an interview in the Irish Independent with Mark McSharry, the Fianna Fáil TD. And I don't really want to go into it, but the, the headline is, I'm the only one prepared to say how I feel about Michal Martin. That's not true. Many, many Fianna Fáil people are perfectly prepared to say what they feel about Michal Martin. They just don't tend to say it to newspapers. And they don't tend to say it so, quite so often. When I saw that headline first, I was just sort of glancing around. Uh, honestly, God, not, I I thought it was one of those, you know, those things where they put it like in in the in the, the health and personal development section. You know, I'm the only person who's able. And it, there was a there was there was a series of books written by a Jesuit back in the eighties, which had titles such as "Why am I afraid to love you?" or "Why am I afraid to tell you who I am?" I genuinely thought it was one of those headlines. I'm the only one that 
that is willing to say how I feel about Michal Martin, as in, he's the only one that's willing to admit how much he loves Michal. And he tells Michal on a regular basis, Michal, I love you. And he's the courage, a rare thing in a man to be able to admit to another man that he loves them. But I don't think that's actually what this article was about. Because then I saw Mark McSherry and I thought, no, probably not. Mark McSherry, Michal Martin, love, no, probably probably a bit more giving out and cribbing and whinging about poor old Michal, which is what Mark McSherry does. See, Barry Cowan has proposed that the way to save Ireland and the party is for Fianna Fáil and Labour to join together in a new centre-left coalition. I've got to commend Barry on developing something new. You, you kind of think that this is one of those ideas that should have been said out loud. I have a feeling that Barry thought this in his head and thought that was a good idea. Then he wrote it down and then he sent it into the paper. But at no stage did he ever say it out loud. Because I think that's one of those ideas that you have. You think, that's a great idea. And you meet your friend three or four days later and you've got this great idea and you're explaining it to them. And you're halfway through the first sentence when you hear it out loud for the first time and you think, no, that's, no, no, that's shit. Sorry, no, no, forget about that. No, 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 I had an idea. No, no. What was it he actually said? That they should they should form a centre-left coalition with Labour? Basically, yeah, as, as an opposition. So that they couldn't... Something about the left-left, that you had to give people an op- a choice between not the government and the left-left, but a choice between the government and the left, and then the left-left. Well, on one hand, I suppose it's forward-thinking in that Sinn Féin will probably need both Fianna Fáil and Labour to get into power. But on the other hand, it's sort of like being a drowning man and then deciding to chain yourself to another drowning man on the assumption that, well, then you'll just float. And you know, you might if one of you dies first. Yeah, the the, the, the logic is is apparently that this would ward off the, quote, nuclear option of people voting for the left and the far left. It hasn't apparently occurred to anybody yet to give them the the opportunity to vote for the centre-right. Hello, we're over here, centre-right. Hello, no, that, no, no, fuck off you. Don't like you, we used to talk to you, we don't talk to you anymore. We don't do the centre-right. So there's now only the centre, the centre-left, the left and the far-left in Irish politics. So I don't know how that works if we just get rid of one heart of the axis completely. Say, we used to have that bit, we don't do that anymore. This apparently will, as I say, stop the nuclear option of people voting for the left and the far-left. The best bit about this, Gary, I think you can guess. The best bit about this are the comments from Labour Party members. It's just distant screaming. (laughs) <laughs> you know, if it was just in screaming, I think it wouldn't be so bad. It's the laughing that's the worst. The, are you fucking serious? Are you high? Are you drunk? Uh, and they're the people who are being nice. There are then the people who go into the detail of why this will never happen. Um, and the analogies between why in the head... Why in the name of God would a reasonable and healthy person get in bed and ha- marry somebody who was uh, diagnosed with at least seven infectious venereal diseases and was on the point of death as a result of at least four or five of them? 
shall we say, <laughs> you would struggle, Gary, to find somebody saying, well, as a member of the Labour Party, I think this is a great idea. I have, I, I'm not saying that none of those comments exist. I just, I haven't found any of them yet. Can you, oh, I don't know. I just try to imagine, like, at a meeting of the Labour Party in Wexford Town, Brendan Howland arrives up and says, you know what, lads, we're going into the next election. We're running on a us and Fianna Fáil platform. <laughs> it would be so, they, they would love that because they have such, such a lot of time and such a lot of respect for Fianna Fáil as, as a party and as, as an idea. And also, of course, they respect the notion of Fianna Fáil as a party of the centre-left. It's like, you know, large rock stars of the 70s and 80s, and it gets to, you know, like 2010, and like, we're going to start the band up again. And they don't quite realise that it's no longer the 80s. Yeah, or even the 70s, is that sense, we're going to release and you really, is a great new prog rock four album compilation. No, 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 please, no. No, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, the, like, the, the, oh, you can imagine, by the way, the number of times the Galway tent and Charvet shirts are referenced, which I think is an, and this, I wouldn't want to over egg this, but I think it's an interesting sociological observation on the age profile of the member of the, La members of the Labour Party or activists in the Labour Party. How many people can, that are remembering Charvet shirts? They have to be, well, how do I, they, they must be like 45, at least 45 and up to remember a, the Charvet shirt. You know what the hell they're talking about. That's cutting edge social commentary from Labour. One of the weird, the, the oddest comment, I, I, I see what you think of this. We came from a, a pro, serious, proper Labour man, actually, he's slightly known, a good guy, who said, don't trust ALD members like Fianna Fáil. That's a bit of, that's a bit left field as, field as a criticism, isn't it? Your criticism of Fianna Fáil is their membership of that particular blo voting bloc in the European Parliament. Don't trust those guys from ALD. They're not centre-left. No, they're pretty, pretty centre-left. So there are two polls that are out. There's the Behaviour and Attitudes poll and there's the Ireland Think on the Mail on Sunday. The Mail on Sunday's poll, based on what we saw in the general election, seems to be a bit more accurate than some of the other polls doing the rounds. So obviously they did the political parties and all that sort of stuff, but they also asked about reopening. And they also asked specifically, Michael, about Michal Martin. One of the questions they asked would, was, uh, would you be more or less likely to vote for Finnefall if it had a new leader? 48% of people said, no difference, I will never vote for Fianna Fáil. Yeah, for, which, you know, if you're in Fianna Fáil, I suspect there are people going, only 48%? Not bad. Then 7% said, there's no difference, I'm always going to vote Fianna Fáil. Yeah. 9% of people said they would be less likely to vote for Fianna Fáil if Martin was gone. Who are these people? And 21% of people said they would be more likely to vote for Fianna Fáil if Michal Martin was gone. And then there were 15% who were unsure. And the thing about that 21%, Gary, is let's contextualise that. Only for, that's 21% of, of, which is of 100, you know, that's the way percent works. 
But since 48% of the population would never, says they would never vote for Fianna Fáil, we have to put that 21% in that context. So it's more like of the available voters to Fianna Fáil, 40% of them would be more likely to vote for Fianna Fáil if Michal Martin was not leader. Yeah, and that's, that's only if you include the don't knows. If you don't include the don't knows, 68% of people who vote Fianna Fáil would be more likely to do so if uh, Martin went. And that's the number I'd use if I was dropping around, if I was sending out my, sending out my fact sheet, emailing out my fact, to my colleagues in the parliamentary parties, lipping it under the door, that's 68% more likely to vote for you. 68% more likely to give you a job after the next general election. Sorry, it's actually 57%. 57, 68, Gary, come on, yeah. Quick math, Michael. Sometimes it's just not right. But it is quick. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing about math, isn't it? It's not so much the answer you care about, it's the speed. You want it quick, you want it snappy. Nobody wants slow math. Nobody's in, nobody cares. But anyway, point being, substantial numbers substantial numbers would like to see the leadership of Fianna Fáil changed and since ultimately this will always devolve to one question me Fianna Fáil backbencher very frightened lose seat what is the scenario which is more likely to see me not losing my seat that is what will drive this decision and if you continue to see numbers like that it may start to make them feel it maybe it's the time to give Hall a handshake and a gold clock and introduced to the concept of retiring. I mean, that would require ignoring an Irish Times editorial, which said getting rid of Michal would be a terrible thing to do. It would, and I'm sure Michal has read that editorial with great care. Whether or not Fianna Fáil backbenchers are reading the Irish Times with similar care, I don't know. It would depress me to think that they were, but they may well be. Of course, they may have also read the article in The Independent titled Bitter and Angry Fianna Fáil, Now a Laughing Stock. Yeah, I, I'm always a bit sceptical about anything that involves laughing stocks, Gary. You know that when people would say, when they were talking about any particular aspect of Irish life or politics or society, Irish, oh, the Irish Health Service, you know what, we're an international laughing stocker. You know this, we would be... Our tax system has created all these loopholes and you got the double Dutch sandwich and we're a laughing stock. I honestly, I don't think anybody's laughing. I don't think anybody's paying that much attention. And I have to, I developed a, a theory long ago that if there's anybody laughing at it, it's, it's those damn Paraguayans, but nobody else. I mean, who in your, can you remember any time in your life when something happened in a country far away, or necessarily that far away, foreign country, and some aspect of their social, political life failed to such an extent that you pick up at the party and yourself and your friends would have a jolly good laugh. Oh my God, have you heard the, lo- the latest news about the state of the social welfare system in Czechoslovakia? It is hilarious. Who is these people that are laughing? Laughing stocks? No, we're not. Fianna is not a laughing stock. If it was a laughing stock, I would say better because at least people were paying attention. To return to the point that you made before, Gary, the problem that Fianna Fáil has is, is nobody cares. Nobody bothers about them. Nobody's in paying attention. They have become irrelevant, but not a laughing stock because a laughing stock would mean that people were paying attention to the joke and they're not. So majority support for uh, allowing only those that are vaccinated to dine indoors in restaurants? 59% in support, only 6% unsure, so... The one that I thought was the weird, well, the weirdest, that's the most surprising one, 
was the view of the most recent plans for reopening. I thought it was interesting as well, but partially because only 2% of people said they were unsure. Everyone else has a set opinion. 2% unsure, uh, that's kind of worrying in its own way, but leave that alone. 38% thought about the right pace. Okay, but too quickly, 35% as opposed to too slowly, 25 That is not what I had expected. 35% think it's all going a bit quick. I just wonder how many of them are either on a pension or in a job which has been unaffected by this. Um... 35? Were you surprised? I mean, the, the size of the number? No, I, I, in general, in relation to reopening plans, assume the public is in that space. Because they've been pretty consistently in that space since this started. That is true. Like, there's been no, no point I can think of where the polling has showed, maybe around Christmas and I'm just not remembering it, but pretty consistently the public have wanted the slowest reopening possible. There was a brief moment, and it was an odd concatenation of circumstances. There was a brief moment, I think there was one poll, which suggests there was a... It coincided with a period where, oddly, the vaccine rollout was going rather badly, and the government approval of the handling of the pandemic had really dipped rather badly. And strangely, as a consequence, the desire to speed up the process had increased. But I think that was more a manifestation of a generalised anger towards the government and government policy than it was actually a specific desire to see specific areas of the lockdown uh, to be taken away or to be to be rolled rolled up more quickly. So it, I think. Insofar as they're happy with the government, are generally happy with the handling, they tend to be either saying speed is about right or a bit too quick. It only gets when they're pissed off that they change that. 35% too quickly. I I would really like to know when you talk to people who, for understandable reasons, say, oh, no, no. You're risking lives here. You're risking, you know, people could die. Young people's baby, whatever. What is the number that people have in their heads that is an acceptable number of fatalities for COVID? I well, I mean, I've heard people, educated people who have influence on this process, Michael, say that uh, any number of deaths is too many. The, if that is the case, then uh, does that not mean? And I say this not rhetorically, but actually, we will never stop. We will never be out. I've noticed some of the arguments used by Nefish as to why we can't open, and by the government as to why we can't open. Things like the vaccines aren't perfect. Arguments like that. The criteria for things to be perfect is never going to be met. You could use that argument to lock down forever. You could also use that argument to lock down for. A host of other infectious diseases as well. I mean, if your tolerance level is zero fatalities, you know, we're going to have to lock down for, obviously for flu, but I suspect, I suspect there are people dying still of measles that we we don't hear about. On the actual polls, I'll go through both of these. The general trends in both of them are the same, but some of the movements are different. So on the Ireland Thinks poll, Sinn Féin is 30 minus 2. Fine Gael is 25 plus 1, Fianna Fáil is 14 minus 1, Labour Party is 7 plus 3, Social Democrats are 5, no change, People for Profit 4, no change, Ain 2, 4, no change, Green Party 4 plus 1, Independence and Others 7 minus 2. On Behaviour and Attitude, Sinn Féin is 
30 minus 4. Finnegale is 25 plus 1. Finneval is 20, no change. Social Democrats are 1 minus 3. Green Party is 5 plus 1. Labour Party is 5 plus 2. Solidarity People for Profit is 3 plus 2. Ain to 1, no change. Independence and others, 10 plus 1. So, I suppose the interesting thing is that even after that rather apparently poor result in the by-election, the Greens are up in both. Labour up three in one, two in the other, which is indicative, I think, Ivana's election and the profile they got out of that was maybe a nice bounce. After that, it's all much no-change story. Shinner's down a little bit. But yeah, Shinner's down a little bit. Finnegale, kind of steady. Finnefall, relatively steady. The only interesting difference, I think, between the two polls is that one has the Social Democrats going from four to one. And one has the Social Democrats holding steady at five. Yeah, and that's considering, you know, going from four to one, like a, a drop of three full percentage points. When you're at that point, that's a significant, that's a proper drop. They would have to be concerned about that. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if that is accurate. Not really because of anything the Social Democrats did as such, but because Labour has gone up. Yeah, where are those votes coming from? I, I, I've been asking friends, and I... I I'm asking the question non-rhetorically, just to try and understand what is the difference between the Labour Party and the Social Democrats. If you were to say, what is the policy difference, the philosophical, ideological difference between the two? And I talk to people who kind of get are interested in politics, and everybody struggles for a concrete, practical difference. So you can look at policy, or you can look at who's in the party, and I think that's where you see the real difference between the Social Democrats and the Labour Party. The Social Democrats are the Labour Party. If the Labour Party didn't have those civil servants who were there because they're concerned primarily about civil servants, and it didn't have that tradition of Labour families who were, yeah, they always voted for Labour, but they're not terribly ideological about it in a lot of cases. The Social Democrats yeah. don't yeah, have yeah. that. It's ideology all of the time. But looking at this, I mean, Sinn Féin are going down and Labour are up. The likelihood of those votes going directly to Labour, as opposed to the Social Democrats going down and gaining for Labour, is quite interesting. Yeah. I tell you, though, whatever about... I, right now, I think that if you were to offer the Field of Parliamentary Party, the BNA result, you know, 20%, no change, they would take your hand off at the wrist. At the elbow... They might even trade you one of their children first. <laughs> one of the less attractive ones. But 20% of the... I think that would that would go down very, very nicely. It's a big gap, isn't it? I mean, for when you're that when you're down that number, like between 20% and, what, 14%? Of these, the Ireland Think poll, just going on what we saw in Dublin Bay South, would seem to be the more accurate. I mean, obviously, Sinn Féin is off, Labour is off, but it's a very particular constituency for Sinn Féin. And the Labour vote, I think, was largely personally for Ivana Bacic. Yeah, it was a, a, a personal victory. A, 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 not exclusively, but a large. Big old difference for AIM2 as well, between one and other. 4% to 1%. 4% is you're definitely taking, Padre is definitely taking a seat back. And you know what? In the right constituency, if you got the right person, you might even get another another seat or two. But 1%, and also 4%, you're, you're sailing home with your funding. 1% is... None of that news is anything like as good. So I think, again, they would much prefer not the BNA. Yeah, I think the difference there between AIM2 on 1 and AIM2 on 4 is probably found in the difference in independence and others. 
independence and others is, is i don't know if we've ever talked about this before but despite the fact that ireland has no really conservative party socially conservative or even at this point economically conservative or as we used to say fiscally prudent yeah, God be with the days. Those were the days. <laughs> Fiscal prudence. Yeah. Yeah, God, I remember that. When you actually look at the breakdown of independence and the position of a lot of independents across Ireland, the independents tend to actually fill in the space that in other countries would be filled by a sort of conservative party, which is why if the independents in the Dáil were ever to um, come together into some sort of party, they would probably do quite well. But they will never do so. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being the chief whip of that party? <laughs> that would be a short way to large, large quantities of uh, psycho, psycho uh, active drugs and therapy. But it's actually it's when people complain that Ireland doesn't have any sort of conservative, as I said, economically or socially. It's one of the things that's rarely brought up. <laughs> that in certain constituencies those people are already served, so a lot of the vote is, is tied up into the independent votes. So it's not just that you have Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael and they'll take so much of the existing vote and there are all these barriers to starting a new party. There's also the fact the independents are going to take a lot of your vote share. Yeah, it's, well, the, the, it's the point I have made a number of times over the years when people say, well, the, the, talking about the Michal Martin strategy, well, that's the strategy you have to pursue. There are no votes, there are no seats really available in that space that you're talking about. My point has always been, hold on. If these people were in fact a party, you'd say, well, that they are, those people are sitting in seats that should be yours if you were occupying the, the space that you should be in, that you indeed used to be in. They would not be there if you had not vacated that space and you had not broken trust with your membership. In the, in the in in Ireland outside of Dublin, that Fianna Fáil has abandoned these people and they suspect to them, these people have replaced them. It's not that those votes have disappeared somehow, evaporated with modernity. They're still there. Those voters are still there, and they're electing these people. Yeah. So that is the that is the two puzzles. I said the movement is couple is different on a couple of them, but the general trend on both of them is pretty consistent across it, bar the Social Democrats. Have we got? What? Well, you know, there are two and what? Three years more of this government, in theory, if it went all the way. Is it another three years? Two and a half years? So Martin is in, I think, until September of next year. So a year and a half of Martin. Yeah, until September, October. Is it October is the handover. I think December, actually. I think it's, it's year end. Well, that is if they haven't screwed their courage to the sticking post. And finally gone in and stuck the knife in deep. But I don't think they will. I have no confidence in their ability to act anymore. So I think Michal is there for the duration. And after all the talk, I don't even think they'll take him out when Leo takes over. They will generate among in their little heads another set of reasons why, ooh, actually, now we're not in government. This is the time to really knuckle down behind the leader and not look like we did you because it's all the disunity gary that's why people don't like them it's that terrible sense of, and those people giving out of parliamentary party meetings like mark mcsherry if an egg is broken by an outside force life ends if broken by inside force life begins great things always begin from the inside that's the mark mcsherry post you gotta hope that market had a few bushmills in the money that happened I think given the heat, we should finish this up, Michael. 
and let the people go out and do whatever it is people do in sunshine. You live near the sea, for God's sake, go and have a swim if you're feeling warm. That require me to go out into that. <laughs> I have a vision of you like being covered like in a burqa as you go out to protect yourself from the, the punishing rays. Punishing carcinogenic rays. Still then, we shall be back on Wednesday. Until then, stay safe. Mind yourselves. All the best.